Welcome to Women Empower Active, an initiative started by UR Sportswear to empower women to find their own active adventure. I'm your host, Jacqueline Gross. I just want to say at the top of the show, I do talk about apps and different people on Instagram. They aren't sponsoring this podcast. And also, I'm not a doctor. So if you want to be active, make sure you talk to your doctor. I hope you enjoy this episode. So a lot of you started being active through organized athletics. You ran in high school or you played sports in high school, and then you potentially went on to college. And then once you get out of that, you're not, you don't really have any other coaches. And so you kind of like are left to put together your own training plan, or you kind of just do whatever you want. And then sometimes we get injured or you get stuck doing something boring. You get bogged down with work or something else. And you kind of like just lose the thread of like training. And so I found it super helpful to have a coach. My coach, as I talked about earlier episodes is Nicole Bush. And like the reason I have a coach is because I really can't write my own workouts. I tend to overdo it. And I really think it's valuable to like talk through like anytime I'm having feelings about how my training is going, like talking through training with somebody else kind of validates my feelings. And so I, I find it really useful to have a coach and train with somebody than just doing all of my own training. So personally find it valuable. Other people might not need that. Like even now I'm still like trying to find like different ways to be strong. So I was doing a lot of hot yoga before COVID. And so when we kind of got into COVID, I downloaded the aloe movement app and it, it's really good. I mean, it has a lot of different workouts. You can do like yoga or hit classes and there's like a boxing class. It's not really about like that for me. Like I'm not like trying every type of exercise. Like I just find it helpful. Like if I have tight glutes or hamstrings or hip flexors that I can find a video that would like work on those specific areas, or I want to do abs or I want to, you know, just something that I don't have to come up with myself. I can just like type it into the app and find the video you can also like save your videos and stuff like that. And that's, that's fine if you want to like track your progress through that. But the value for me is just like finding something quickly that will like do what I need it to do for the moment. So I use it for mostly the yoga um, part of things. I was also doing some of the classes at work, like your little tiny muscles, because I think those kind of help, like even if you're working in your shoulder, like to make your whole shoulder strong, if you're working those little muscles. So that, that part was important to me. So the other app that I have is called Playbook. And I got that because I wanted to download Sally McRae's like workouts for ultra runners. And, you know, I wanted some, some different lifting. Um, I had done, I had a book that I was following for lifts and I had used that for a while. And I didn't really find that it was really working where I wanted to work. So I, you know, I went through and Sally's app has been pretty good. There's other people that you can go, you can like get all the different trainers on there. I honestly have not looked at anybody else. Um, Sally has like a lot of different workouts. So I kind of like cycle through them. A lot of them are like, if you have like running and lifting combined, I don't like use her running program. So I just do like the lifts and I do them like twice a week. And I just like pick like arms and legs and there's some like full body videos too. And I've been doing that app for like 
maybe the past five months or so. Um, I'd have to look back at it, but yeah, that one's really helpful. And again, like you could download that app and then get a bunch of different options for coaching or like lifts or whatever you want to do. I think like everybody is on there. <laughs> it's a lot of different people that you follow probably aren't on there. And then the other person that I, or other people that you can kind of find are like those that are on like Instagram, like I'll find videos for hip mobility or um, something else. And I'll like, look at those exercises, but the two people, like I really usually watch are like Meg underscore Takis, um, on Instagram. And then, uh, Dr. On who is uh, run resiliency DPT, um, on, I actually do all of her activation, uh, drills before I do any of my runs. And I do those like every day. So she was really helpful with that. She also has like a bunch of injury prevention type activities, or she'll like break down some like squats, um, kind of, or like lifting heavier videos and stuff like that. And then Meg has a lot of like injury prevention as well. And then like just different ways to be strong and like cool activities, um, and lifts that you can do that are just different than what you're normally doing. I guess like sometimes it's just better to find something that's different and you're kind of sick of doing the same motion over and over again. If you're going to work similar muscle groups, it might just be more fun to try something else. And something I've noticed too, from like cycling through different ways to be strong is that I won't realize that like for Sally, for instance, that app, the playbook app, she had a video that was like body weight activities and I like just tried it because I didn't have that much time to lift and I was like I'll just try this one and I actually got really sore from it because I never used my triceps and so I was like oh my gosh like this really made me sore so it's really good just to like try different videos and I tend to look for more running specific workouts but I'm kind of looking towards um, more climbing specific which kind of brings us to our guest today is Mercedes Palmeyer, and this kind of like goes along with those um, different lifts and people we were talking about in, in the way that she is a strength and like climbing coach for like longevity. She really focuses on like a lifetime of climbing. And I was really inspired by her because she posted this really cool video of almost like you're climbing on the ground. So you're like in like a push-up position, but then you're like reaching your arm out and your opposing leg um, to the side. So your knees bent to the side and you're just like statically slowly climbing. So basically it looks like if you were to tilt your phone up that you would be like climbing up a wall, but she's climbing along the ground. So it's just like really breaking down those movements. And as somebody who is like not really paid attention to how my body has felt, like those movements and breaking those down have been really helpful because it's kind of giving it's like connecting my brain to the motion of of the movement and like strengthening that movement and like the same thing like she basically like think about running and then like boil it down to just like one single step remove all momentum and now do you think you could actually make that step without falling over like the entire step without falling over no momentum um I don't think that I could because <laughs> I have terrible balance but I think that that type of like 
focus and like finding your weaknesses and kind of like redefining strength is what that's like Mercedes training basically is just like really finding where those weaknesses are and focusing on them until you're like able to make that full motion and like really slowing it down to like one single movement. I really think you're going to enjoy this episode. It was a pleasure talking with her. Um, She'll definitely give her plugs at the end. She has some exciting news that she brings up. I really hope you enjoy this episode. Again, thank you for doing this. Super excited. Of course. Um, So I was like watching your videos and then I got started like reading through your book and your story is super interesting. Um, I love that you put like your background in there. I was like, wow, I had no idea that you were a you know, played tennis or anything like that. So that's yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, so I kind of wanted to, yeah, let's start there. Like, how did you become active? Um, like would somebody like inspire you? Like, was that important in your family? Like, how did that happen for you? Yeah, I definitely come from a very active family, not super outdoorsy at all, actually, but, uh, like my, my mom was a dancer. My sister was a dancer my dad was a tennis player and my brother, um, he kind of like dabbled in a lot of things. He was a dancer and a basketball player and a tennis player. Um, so like everyone was always like really, really active. And I I guess it was just like really natural to always do something physical. Um, and I actually got started in dance and gymnastics first, and then kind of like found my way to tennis eventually. Um, and then now climbing, um, but yeah, I guess it's always been like an integral part of our family values. Yeah. Yeah. So like your, your dad played tennis, did he like kind of introduced you to that or like, when did that start? Like what? Yeah, you- actually. So my dad, he, I mean, he's a recreational tennis player. Um, and I think my brother got really inspired by him playing and I actually got into tennis because of my brother. Um, okay you know, cause he would go to practice like five times a week. I'm like, what is he doing? I want to hang out with my brother. And so like, as a, like a little kid, I would try to go on the tennis court and try to play against him. Um, and I think it was just a way for me to like hang out with him more. Um, and then eventually I, I found my love for it. And then how did you get into climbing? I mean, that's such a transition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's a very long story, yeah. but I can tell the story. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know, climbing has always intrigued me in Australia. I grew up in Australia um, and there was a climbing wall in quotation marks. Like there wasn't much on this wall and as like a field trip, um, I think it was like my senior year, we went to this place that was more of a, uh, like an indoor soccer field or something. And um, it was this climbing wall in the corner. Like, it, it was like, they just like, didn't even think about it. They just like put this wall up mm-hmm. and some ropes. And they didn't have climbing shoes. So we just had to do it barefoot. Like we weren't allowed to use our regular shoes. And I was like, oh, like, I actually really like this. It's a little bit painful, kind of fun. Uh, I don't know why I was super into it, but it was the one time when I was like 16 or something. And it, it was always in the back of my mind that, oh, I'd really love to try this. And then when I moved to the US, so I 
moved to the U.S. to play college tennis. Um, and I went to University of Northern Iowa. Um, and actually, this college is really known for its um, uh, for the Unidome, which is like one of the biggest indoor like track and field facilities. Um, it has almost every athletic thing that you can think of in this Unidome. And they have like, they had this climbing wall and I needed a job. And so I went to the climbing wall folks. And I was like, listen, I don't have a ton of time because I'm a tennis player. I got to study, but I need some hours. Uh, can I just like learn how to belay people? Um, so I got integrated with them. Uh, I still wasn't really climbing. I climbed like once a month maybe. And I mostly just went there to like belay people. Um, and then I went on a, they were doing some kind of climbing trip and they're like, Mercedes, you should totally come. It was like me and 12 other guys. And I'm like, I don't know how this is going to go. My coach is not stoked on me going. Cause like when you play division one, you are, uh, you have a lot of rules to follow, especially when that's extracurricular activities. Um, but it was totally fine. Like he let me go and I just absolutely fell in love with it. And we did some top roping in Arkansas. I'd never been to Arkansas. Um, it was like a 12 hour drive from Iowa. And I was like, this is such a cool sport. Like I've never interacted with the outdoors like this before. Um, so uh, I went to school there for like two years, decided that Iowa was not the place for me. Didn't, still didn't really climb much. It was just once in a while. Then I decided to move to Denver um, to be closer to the outdoors. And uh, I still didn't really get to climb much. I was like, I got to the gym maybe once every couple months and just like messed around on top ropes. Um, but when I was there, kind of like closer to the end of my senior year, I saw that there was a coach there who was doing strength and conditioning. Um, and I was looking for someone to help me get stronger for, because I'm about to graduate from college tennis and I'm going to go, I'm going to try my best at professional circuit. Um, and that jump is really big. So I started at kind of like the semi-pro level and I started training with him in Denver and, uh, he actually got me to climb kind of on a regular basis, like once every week or once every two weeks, just to build some upper body strength. Um, and it was actually because of him. Um, he is so good at what he does and he really inspired me to, uh, help like other athletes or climbers become like feel really strong in their body because that's what I got out of that whole experience was oh god I just I feel so strong I've never felt this strong before mm -hmm. um and when I, I was basically like finishing off my tennis career I you know I had been playing tennis for probably like 12 years at that point you know I was like I think I think I'm done with tennis I have all of these overuse injuries but I really like climbing. So I decided to quit tennis and I continued to coach tennis because um, it was actually like decent money. Um, but I stopped competing and went into climbing and just kind of like went head first into that. Um, yeah, and then just fell in love with it. And then I have eventually became a strength and conditioning coach um, and now I'm a climbing coach. So it was kind of a long journey to get there. Um, but that was, climbing has just always been in the background. And I, I was so glad that it finally became the focus point of my life. 
I want to just go back to the Iowa, um, U University of Iowa, you said? Uh, University of Northern Iowa. Northern. Okay. And then yeah. like, why did that end up being not the place for you? You just didn't like it or <laughs> what happened? <laughs> That's a great question. I didn't really know much about the United States. Okay. Uh, I like all I, all I heard was maybe stay away from the Southern States. Okay. That's actually like the thing that I heard. I don't know where I heard that from. Mm -hmm. Um, so the, and when you apply for colleges, there's kind of like these, um, they're like recruiting agencies. So you give your profile and like your rankings and everything to this company, and then they go and submit your profile to all of these universities and colleges and then you get like after a couple of months you get all of these offers um and yeah so to me Iowa was like closer ish to the west like I kind of wanted to be on the west coast mm -hmm. um there wasn't I really wanted and I wanted to play d1 yeah um and there weren't a lot of d1 schools that I got offers from on the west coast so I, I went with Iowa because it was the closest, um, really zero idea of what Iowa was going to be yeah. like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I arrived. So in, in Australia, our school years uh, start in January and end in November, kind of. Oh, wow. Okay. It's kind yeah. of the opposite of the U.S. Um, and so I graduated in November and then I came to the U.S. in January. Uh, it was like January 2001. And I arrived with like snow up to my shoulders. I was like, and I had no clothes that uh, that would fit me for like this climate climate. I'm like, I had I really just had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. So I, I wanted to talk about, too, because like climbing is such a different sport than like tennis. And, you know, like I, I was not introduced to it until later also, um, but it's a little heady in that, like, you kind of get up high and like have to figure stuff out. Like, how did you deal with that type of mental strength? Like, how did you work through mm. that for yourself? Oh man. You know, I think that being thrown into the climbing scene in Colorado, Colorado is a little different when it, when it comes to the scene, there's definitely a scene. Um, and everyone is really strong. Like, yeah. I don't know. I, I think I was really, um, I guess, fortunate to be with a crew that was, they're actually like super great. Um, <clears throat> and they really helped push me and maybe I was at the right age that I could continue to push and not get like super injured. Yeah. Um, and so like the height thing, like, I don't really remember it being an issue. Like I was lead climbing, uh, for some of it, but it was mostly in the gym. Like I wasn't actually lead climbing outside. Um, I did some multi-pitch outside, but again, it's like, maybe it was like my ignorance. Cause I didn't know yeah. what could happen. Uh, that was like, this is totally fine. Um, yeah, it wasn't until later actually that that fear started to kick in. Mm -hmm. Um, so when I was first starting, I was like, this is totally fine. This is great. I can just fall. It's fine. And I wasn't, I also wasn't like using a lot of, or 
I wasn't uh, relying on my own systems because I always had someone else taking me outside um, and even in the gym. Um, so I would say like, I was a little lucky in the beginning that I didn't have to think about that too much. Um, and the bouldering, our walls were so short that that wasn't even an issue either. Um, it's not until like these modern gyms now have super tall walls. Yeah. So when I started to really like understand, uh, because I was a coach and I, when I moved out to Washington, I started to coach a lot more sport climbers and a lot more mountaineers. And it wasn't until then, like I actually started to, like, I had several clients uh, who like died from climbing accidents. And it wasn't until then that I was like, oh, this is actually something that you need to be mentored really well in before you go and do it. Um, so I would say like moving to Washington, that really, that was the biggest lesson. And uh, I took the falling, I think it was like the falling class with um, the Rock Warriors way. Mm -hmm. That's the guy. Um, and he did like this falling class that I think that helped me. That was kind of like the shift that I had that I needed in order to really climb much better on sport rope on, uh, on sport than, than I did before. And it's so great because he like really like breaks it down into like serving your environment, making sure that your systems are in check, talking to your partner. Um, I think all of those things are critical before you even think about doing something kind of beyond your limit in, in the outdoors. Um, so that I would say that that's my biggest recommendation, like either take one of those courses or like if you have something locally, some mentors who can teach you how to fall really well, because once you know how to fall and also knowing your self-awareness, like things that you're saying to yourself in those moments, if you can kind of recognize that and then use that to your advantage, you're going to be safer and you're going to feel so much better being at height and in risky situations. Um, yeah. So that would be my advice for sure. Like definitely seek out someone who has a lot of experience. Yeah. Climbing comes with a lot of risks. And I, like I just did not know that when I first started. Uh, and, and I think that's where a lot of people can go wrong. Um, so yeah, take that step. This is not one of the things I included, but I was just curious because you seem like such a chill person. Like how, how are you as a competitor? Does that turn on when you get on the court or, you know, yeah. climbing? Yeah. Oh man. Thank you for saying that I am chill. That's awesome. I've been working on it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> As a tennis player, I was, I, I would categorize myself as a head case, both in like, I, I didn't have a lot of mental training as a tennis player and I wasn't really very good at controlling my emotions. Um, and I didn't realize that that's something you could do and take advantage of. Um, so I have broken several tennis rackets on the court because I would throw my tennis racket or I would slam it down. I would yell, I would swear. It was like, I would do a lot of that stuff on the tennis court. It wasn't until I got to college where like the programs are just a little bit more robust. You can, uh, they teach you some of these things. Um, and like when I transitioned into, oh, like I can 
control my emotions on the court now, I ended up kind of being the like the the person who um like I could get really, really focused and not get swayed by my emotions. And so that was like a really big lesson uh, that I got from tennis. Um, and I'm also a persistent. So if I'm losing, I would try to stay on the court as long as possible because if my skills weren't the best, I could at least outlast that other person. Um, so I relied heavily on my conditioning um, to get through a lot of matches. Um, and like in climbing, that was a little different because it's a totally different world. Like uh, competitive climbing, you have a time restriction. Um, you're not really competing against anyone. You're doing a thing that the setters put up for you. Um, and it's really just testing how quickly you can read a route. Um, and so in those circumstances, it's just being, I guess, very uh, clear and like quiet-minded so that you can look at things very quickly and try to figure out the problem as, as fast as you can and then rely on your skills at that point. Um, and I, I don't really ever remember getting mad during climbing competitions because um, it's just a totally different game. You know, like I, I think also at that point, I really just loved climbing and I was like, I don't really care where I come, you know, in the rankings. It, it wasn't like I, I wasn't really gunning for first place. I just wanted to compete to get the experience. Um, so yeah, I would say I'm like fairly intense and focused, um, but I, I'm much better these days than I used to be as a youth tennis player. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> I find too, like when you are doing a different sport that you didn't grow up doing, it's harder to compare where you were before. So it doesn't have the same like emotional attachment to like the result as it would if you, you know, were younger and had done something different, you know? So yeah. Yeah. I, I think that the value I'm, I think I placed a lot more value in like my rankings and how well I did as a tennis player. Uh, that has definitely creeped in, in climbing for sure. Especially as I got better and realized, oh, like I could actually go pretty far with climbing, but, uh, sinking back into that, um, habit of like, results equals my value you know I think that was pretty uh may have actually gotten in the way of me getting better at tennis too uh, kind of stopped me from being or like pushing through certain boundaries and comfort zone like your body being stronger than your mental you know your mind yeah to be basically that's right yeah yeah yeah, yeah kind of going along with that, um, has there ever been a point where like exercise has been like more unhealthy for you than healthy? Hmm. Possibly. Like I thought, um, probably after like the first couple of years of climbing, like everyone that I was climbing with, they were climbing like six days a week and sometimes two sessions a day. Um, and that really becomes your life. Like when you're climbing for two hours in the morning and then you come back later and like climb for about an hour, hour and a half later, 
Uh, that's like three and a half hours of climbing almost every day. Um, like it does become your life and kind of like the primary focus. And like, again, luckily I didn't have too many issues. Like I, I had finger, finger injuries. I had elbow injuries and I just thought, you know what, like this just kind of comes with the territory. It still does. But I think that thinking I have to put that much time in to keep up with everyone that I was climbing with, I think that was, that was, it's not the case. You don't have to do that, but that's really what I thought I had to do in order to, to be good at climbing. Yeah. I mean, that's a really good point. And a lot of things like something that I've actually taken from a lot of your videos is that like, I know how to like train for running, warm up for running, you know, do agilities and like mobility stuff for running, but I don't know anything about climbing coming to it later in life. And you really were breaking things down about warming up. Like how often would you say that you actually straight climb as opposed to like work out to climb basically? Mm-hmm. That's a really good um, question in terms of like, what is training versus mm-hmm. what is uh, the actual like fun part. And, um, I would say probably like five years ago is when I realized that I need to stop thinking of what I'm doing is training all the time because training like, yeah, I got burnt out a lot. Um, and when I thought about my sessions actually just being, you know what I'm punching the clock, like most of this is practice for me and, every time that I step on the mat or I start my warm up, I'm doing something good for my body. And, uh, once I made that switch of like, I'm no longer training, I'm just practicing. I'm doing some good things for my body. Um, that's when I really started to enjoy almost every single session. There are sessions now that I've like, really don't want to do, but I'm like, I need to do this in order to send a project that I'm working on. Um, but for the most part, like if I can come in with the mindset of like, this is really good for my body, I'm going to listen to my body. Um, you know, if, if I feel a little tired today, I will listen to that and not push as hard. And I think some of that self-awareness takes some time to, to learn, but eventually you can have like a really healthy relationship with your climbing sessions and not always like grinding. Like you don't have to always be grinding uh, all year long, like maybe a couple weeks out of the year, you might go there. Uh, and then for the most part, hopefully it feels, uh, moderately hard for, for most of your sessions and that you're, you're just kind of like practicing and uh, feeling pretty good. I know that you had said that you kind of worked through, trained through, competed through a shoulder injury, yeah. What you know, what did that teach you? Um, I mean, cause you kind of, you did it now it's done. Yeah. <laughs> what did you take from, from doing that to yourself? Um, you know, oh man, I, I feel like I've learned so much with every single injury and I'm sure you like, you probably have the same experience where something is holding you back in a certain way. Like how can you continue to pursue the thing that you want with this thing in the way? And, uh, it's really just figuring out ways around the problem. And so for me, it was a lot of watching other people climb. And that's how I was able to get through it was watching my friends climb, watching my clients climb, because even just watching them helps me become a better climber. 
Um, and, you know, I think that that's probably the biggest thing I took away from it was like, oh, I don't always have to be training or pulling hard. I can do these other things that are going to help me become a, a better climber. Um, I think some other things is like figuring out like, especially as I'm aging, you know, I'm, I'm almost 40, like being able to dial down my sessions and like really, I guess, like slow down everything and make sure that things feel okay in my body before I like push through. And I think like a lot of injuries just like teach me how to move around some of that pain or hit that boundary of pain and come away from it. It's like almost like a healthy pain that you feel in order to recover. And then I, I guess like the other part of it is like the mental side, you know, the, it gave me a chance. I, I'm still working on it is that, um, like all of my negative self-talk and what is like, what is my true identity in climbing? Um, what are my values? And it kind of goes back to like, I think a lot of my identity was the grade that I was climbing. Um, and when you're injured and when you come back from injury, you are not climbing at that same grade. Uh, so what does that mean for you? And that's, I learned a lot about that and just being really like, I wasn't super kind to myself at the time, but now it is, it's definitely been a huge lesson in like overcoming that imposter syndrome of like, if I'm a climbing coach and I say that I'm a climber, that I should be climbing at this level. Um, but really, you know, like I still love climbing and it, you don't have to be defined by the level at which you climb at. That's really true. And it's a lot about ego too. Like just like letting your ego go about things and not having to just push through to push through things, you know, because you need to be at that level. So totally. I want to to switch into one question because um, I have a friend who's kind of struggling with this right now, but in your book, you were writing about having athletes with different mobility um, issues and like maybe their calves are tight and even like breaking down just like a squat, like, okay, their calves are tight or their quads are tight or their, your, your example was yourself where you had to like make a wider stance um, to squat better. Like, what do you do when you have a, a new athlete and you're training them and there is some mobility or like restrictive movement, like what are the first things that you kind of like look to, to do? Yeah. I, I would say like looking at full ranges of motion, like can, and, and full range is dependent on you. And <laughs> so that's what I want to see. Like what, what does your shoulder look like when you bring your arm overhead? Uh, so, you know, when climbing, you, everything is overhead. So let's look at that. Like when you bring your arms overhead are, is your rib cage, uh, moving with you, or are you able to separate your scapula from your rib cage and just move in isolation? Like the, those are like something like, I, I see that as a very common thing, not just with climbers, just like with generalized population is that the shoulders are just super tight. And that comes with stress that comes with sitting at a desk um, and for climbers, that's a lot of down, like downward pulling. Um, and so we have a huge restriction in our rib cage generally because of that. Um, so that that's where I look uh, as one of my fact, like the things that I look at is thoracic extension and, and how far you can bring your arm up overhead. Um, 
and then squatting. And I think that, I mean, I'm a huge proponent. Like I say, try to get Astagrass as much as you can, as long as it doesn't hurt. If it's not hurting you, then go as far as you can. Um, because in climbing, like when you high step, if like, if you've ever done a super extreme high step, your butt is like on your ankle and you're gonna, you're asked to be able to like stand up out of that position. Um, so the squat and the overhead extension, or I guess overhead flexion is like what I'm looking at for the most part. And like, it's all about just meeting a person where they're at and it, it may take years, you know, for a person to eventually get into some position that could resemble what we're going for. And there's never a perfect position. Um, because like even just recently I realized like my internal rotation in my shoulder is so limited. And I asked my PT, I was like, what the hell? Like I work on this all the time. And he's like, well, you were a tennis player for like 15 years which is all external rotation. So your shoulder now has the shape of a tennis player and probably not a climber, which is why internal rotation is so hard. I'm like, okay, so our anatomy changes, especially like with the repetition in childhood, you know, that shapes our body into what it is as an adult. Um, and so like just taking that into consideration, like, okay, let's not force people into these perfect positions. Like if you can't go overhead with your arm completely straight up, can you go overhead with your arm away from you a little bit more? Like, does that feel comfortable? Great. Let's work there. Um, and with squatting, you know, it's, there's a lot of really fun, like tricks that you can do to make squatting feel really nice. And like, still to this day, I have problems with my squat. I realized I have hip impingement and that was something that came up about two years ago. Um, and so I have to do all of these little things in order to make sure that my squat feels really good instead of just looking really good. Um, so I think it's like more about educating, like educating the athlete on like, this is where you are. This is kind of where we want you to be. And let's just meet you where you're at. And here are some like scaled exercises that you could do over time. And, and sometimes that like recipe of exercises can be really long because we are trying to kind of like, here's one big movement and let, let's like cut it down into smaller and smaller pieces so that your brain can first like create these like movement connections. So it's like the brain and muscle connecting mm -hmm. in that movement. Um, but also for the tissues to adapt to the thing that you're asking it to do. Uh, tissue adaptation, I think, is uh, something that not a lot of coaches and especially not a lot of like uh, like laymen, they, they just don't understand like the tissue takes a very, very long time to adapt, like months and months. Um, and I think the like you know, 30 days to six pack abs or whatever, whatever these like quick programs, like that is mm -hmm. all false. Like it takes months and months for your body to change. Um, and when it comes to mobility, it's going to take years, you know, for, for things to eventually change. But, um, I think feeling more free, feeling like you can move with a little bit more range comes quickly. I think cause the brain 
does some of that work. Uh, but physically, like the the tissue and the the joint takes a very long time. Well, that, yeah, that's super interesting. Um, yeah, I've been really interested in, in like those movement videos and like really breaking it down and slowing it down because a lot of what I'm doing is a lot of momentum and then realizing that I have a hard time just lifting my foot up and standing on one foot without momentum, you know, because I just don't have the balance. And so yeah. it's been really interesting to kind of like, and your book really breaks it down really well about like how to kind of like listening to your body, using your body weight, and then like kind of um, seeing how, how to feel to move kind of, it's, it's like all yeah. connected, you know, and yeah. um that was really eye-opening for me as somebody who has been taught and trained to just kind of push through things and not really listen to your body. And then to actually back up and say, no, <laughs> you know, you're actually supposed to be cognizant of every motion that you're doing, and then you can speed it up to go yeah. You know, faster. Yeah. You know? And I'm sure as a competitive athlete, like you, you had to keep up with everyone and mm -hmm. so listening to your party probably wasn't in the cards for you. Yeah. You know, that was definitely my experience as well. Yeah. I, I like that you had written, like, um, I wanted to get it right. You treat your body like a project. It, it is your only body and you only get one. Um, mm. I love that statement so much. What does that statement mean to you? Or like, why did you kind of feel it important to put it in the book? Yeah, I think because I have had so many injuries before even writing this book, I had mm -hmm. so many injuries. Like I had torn both of my ACLs. I had shoulder surgery. Uh, I even had heart surgery at one point. Like, it's like, oh, if I don't take care of myself, like when I'm even just six years old, I'm not going to be able to do the things that I want to do. And I knew at that, like when I wrote the book that climbing or at least being in the outdoors and being active is going to be something I want to do until I go into the grave. And, um, there is a way to, you could overdo all of these mobility stuff as uh, things as well. Like I've seen people do that. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's finding that balance and that takes some time. And, um, like I, still get in I'm injured right now and it's another learning process and especially as you age like the one thing is certain change change is inevitable and I think we just have to continue to move with it and give our body the best chance of making it as long as possible and whether that's with exercise or the things that you put in your body um you know like do the best you can and just know that change is going to continue and you're going to have to continue to adapt what it is that you're doing. Like you can't just follow one recipe for the rest of your life. Like it is going to have to change. Um, and so being like having a flexible mindset in that way as well, just, you know, being really kind uh, to yourself because some days feel good and some days feel really bad. Um, yeah. And that's that's really what inspired me was like was my own repetitive like cycle of injury um like I just knew I had to change something do you still feel strong even when you're injured now or do you still struggle with that I you know I, I would say in the last 
couple years where stress, like I haven't had so much stress in my life. Like I, uh, quit my full-time job and started my own company for coaching and that transition, like I just like piled on all of the stress and right now this is the lesson for me is how stress can affect the body. And I think that just in the last couple of years, I've climbed the hardest I've ever climbed, but it is the weakest I've ever felt, which is really interesting. Um, I, I'm really, I don't know how, like literally, I don't know how I was able to climb so hard, but feel the way that I do. And I think it's because of stress. And that that's really what I come back to. Like my body feels so tired all the time. And so like my training sessions are really short. And so I, I'm giving my body as much time to recover because of the amount of stress that I have. Um, yeah. So I guess right now I feel, I don't feel great um, because I have a, like a, it's like a nerve entrapment in my elbow. So I can't actually, I can't even like hold a dumbbell right now. Um, and so I've been, again, like the obstacle is the way, like, how can I continue to do something without Mm -hmm. making my elbow hurt? And, uh, I am now running, like, I'm not a runner. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, you know what I could do? I could run. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I love sprinting actually. And so I'm doing like a lot of intervals and that actually makes me feel really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel strong when I sprint, um, but I don't necessarily feel strong, like doing a squat right now. Yeah. Do you, so do you do like, you said interval training just like around a track or like, where are you? Oh man, I wish I could go to a track. I really love, I have track shoes. You would be so yeah. proud of me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I do it on a treadmill and I just do, uh, kind of like speed intervals. Um, I I'm not really built to do endurance. Like that is my low, that is my anti-style. Like mm-hmm. it's the same with sport climbing. I prefer, I prefer bouldering over sport climbing. Um, so, you know, once a week I'm trying to do endurance and then the rest of the time I'm like, I need to be able to enjoy the running that I'm doing. Um, so the speed intervals have been very engaging and fun. I ran the 800. So, um, yeah, more distance stuff, but yeah. Yeah. Still Um, though, that's like, that is hardcore. That is like, you're going into lactic. mm Mm-hmm. Acid, cycle yeah. oh yeah. my god yeah <laughs> the burn yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of love the pain um yeah. so okay so is is exercise really like um like does that help you with like stress management is that kind of your go-to for that yeah, yeah. it's like my it's the easiest thing I can do and that I can tap into and I have different sessions so it's uh I try to do some form of mobility training every day. Um, that kind of like makes me feel really grounded, mm-hmm. um, and just more open. Cause I, you know, now I'm like, I'm sitting at a desk more than any other time in my life. Um, and then I do just one other session of either lifting or running. Um, so it's about two sessions a day, but my mobility sessions are pretty short, you know, like maybe 20, 30 minutes. Yeah. And that is, if I miss it, if I skip a day, I feel it, uh, not in my body, but I become irritable. Um, yeah. And I don't sleep as well. And, uh, 
it affects my appetite. Like if, if I don't work out, like I was sick, I had the cold for the first time in two and a half years and I couldn't move and I just was not hungry. Like I don't have an appetite. Uh, and the second I start working out, I'm like, oh, there's my appetite again. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I totally can relate to that. Um, yeah. do, do you value, like, I'm just curious, do you value like working out like your sprints, like more than mobility or like flexibility? Like what's your value system for that? Or do you value everything equally? Cause you're moving hmm. this. I have never been asked this question. I love this. I think I value strength training over anything else. Um, I, th- I think because it's the foundation. Uh, and if I can do strength with a combination of flexibility training, then that that's perfect. That's the perfect uh, workout for me um, because everything else can be built on top of that. Um, so yeah, I would say like a strength and flexibility session is number one. Like if I was crunched for time, that's the one I would do over anything else. I like the, I do like putting in, I think a lot of people think that they have to do mobility separate, but in strength training, you have to rest. And the best rest is either doing some passive stretches or some mobility while you're resting. And that, that way, you know, you get in the same workout that's 60 minutes, you get both that mobility plus the strength. Oh my gosh. Duh. Like that makes yeah. sense. Why do I not stretch in between my rests when I'm working? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Cause I, I'm one who has a very hard time with doing flexibility things. Like I know how to do them. I just mm. don't, I want to be pushing. Like I want to do something that's hard. It feels like I'm doing something, but I am working on just like putting more time into, cause like when I feel it, when I do it, I feel good, but yeah. I don't, then I start getting tight and like other things are starting to hurt and my feet will, you know, hurt or whatever else. Cause you don't have not just doing simple toe stretches does like wonders, but it's like taking the five minutes to do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like torture for yeah. some reason, even though yeah. taking nothing from me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you brought up a really Uh, kind of like the core reason why a lot of people don't do it is because we feel like we have to always be pushing because we've got this like exercise mentality Mm -hmm. where it's like, Oh, I have to like suffer and grind in order for it to be doing something. Mm -hmm. And I would say that's probably true even for work and things like that. Whereas, Oh, if like you, if you took the mentality of like, Oh yeah, I'm just, I'm doing something really nice for myself and my body like why why not take 10 minutes to feel really good uh i think that's that is very challenging for many of us to do to give ourselves that time our final question which we ask all of our guests is what are your words of empowerment for anybody who might be trying something new or uh, might be intimidated um about climbing or any other sport yeah well i'm reading the war of art I don't know if you've ever read that. It's actually a very quick read. They're like really short paragraphs under a lot of topics. Um, And it's basically all about uh, resistance. Normally when we're trying something that we kind of care about, we have this fear or resistance that comes up. And if you're trying to get into climbing or you 
face like imposter syndrome or something like that, that is just resistance showing itself. And that means that you really do care about this thing and try to use that resistance as something positive. Like, okay, I recognize that I have all of these feelings and then take that and move forward with it. And just know like you're feeling that way because you really care. Um, it doesn't have to define you again. Like we, we shouldn't put value into the results. Uh, you should put value in the process, being able to see that resistance and, um, use that to your advantage and enjoy the process of, of learning. Is that kind of how you come to like competition now? Yeah, I, well, I haven't competed in a while, but I do try climbs that are kind of beyond what I ever thought. And it's like the first thing that goes through my mind is like, well, you can't do that. There's no way. Uh, And then I'm like, no, I actually, I think if I break down this climb into certain sections, I can totally do it. You know, I can do some sections already. Um, Like, what can I learn from this climb? And so like, it is kind of the process of like what my sessions look like to develop myself for this climb um, and doing things that I never thought I could. Like, I think the last couple of years of, of climbing really showed me that I, I've been holding myself back mentally because uh, I didn't think I could ever climb double digit. And, and I did it multiple times in the last couple of years. I think it's more like we're a little bit more like limitless you know, like we shouldn't, we put our own limits on ourselves. I definitely will take that one and think about it for a while. Um, Mm. So thank you for sharing that. Is there anything else that you'd like to discuss? You know, I think like right now, like we're, we're coming out of a really rough couple of years and time is weird. Um, I don't think I've ever experienced time like this before. It's like, I, I don't know. I'm having a really hard time even figuring out what I did last year. And then three years ago, it felt like yesterday and, um, like moving forward, like really taking each day as best as you can, like being really present as much as you can, uh, especially in the world of technology, we are so easily distracted and, I think now, now is like, especially a really important time to be as present as possible, uh, so that we can be kinder to each other and do things for ourselves, but also do things for other people. Um, yeah, I think that that's kind of like what I've been thinking about the last couple months is like time and how do we just slow things down for a little bit and enjoy it. Um, and being a little bit more compassionate towards ourselves and other people being understanding that you know we're all kind of going through this together even though yeah you know nobody's had to do this for whatever 100 years or so so right right oh you know, there's yeah. a script <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> would you like to plug your um company oh, and training and website yes um Yeah. So if you kind of like what I talked about today, you can go check out a lot of, like, I have so much free content. Um, I have a YouTube channel, so that's youtube.com slash Mercedes Paul Meyer. 
Um, check me out on Instagram. Um, I try to put, you know, at least several posts every week, um, mostly about physical training and then some about climbing training. Um, and then I have two books. I have simple strength, which is a guide to body weight training for outdoor athletes. And then I have, yes. And I have peak nutrition, which is my second book, uh, that I wrote with Maria Hines, who is a James Beard award, a winning chef, like our recipes are off the hook. They are so good. And again, it's for outdoor athletes. Um, uh, there are recipes for, um, the back country for front country for like, if you're on a trail and then just regular, like training nutrition. And I write all about the, uh, science behind the nutrition part. Um, so it's a very extensive book. Um, and I have programs that you can get. So if you're working on your pull-up, I have a pull-up program coming out here very soon. Um, I have a passive hang program, which is essentially like improving overhead flexibility, um, and grip strength and shoulder strength just in the hanging position, um, which is so good for climbers. And if you're doing other sports, actually, like it's a really good compliment. If you're a calisthenics, um, person, like someone who does handstands, um, yeah, that, so that program is actually really good for that. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I do one-on-one -on -one coaching. And the last thing is actually in January, I am, uh, launching a membership slash community for training. So you're going to get a training program. You're going to get, uh, there's coaches that's going to ask, answer your questions. Um, we're going to have challenges in there. Um, so that's going to start in January. Very cool. Yeah. Definitely highly recommend yeah. uh, your videos. Um, yeah. they really are insightful and break things down really well. And I think sometimes we feel a little nervous about trying new things and they kind of really help you to feel like, you know, you're not new to this. It's just normal to, to not understand how to move. And I, I think that it's, they're great videos. They really, really oh. did take a lot from them. So oh, thank you so definitely much. Definitely check Mercedes out. And what's your yeah. Instagram handle? It's modus athletica, M O D U S A T H L E T I C A. Oh my God. So long. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. my, my website's modusathletica.com. Perfect. Great. Yeah. Well, thank you thank so much you. for doing this. Thank you. This was awesome. It was great hearing your story. I want yeah. more women's stories out there. Oh, that's okay. awesome. Thank you. You can follow me personally. That's at Jacqueline Gross, J-A-C-A-L-Y-N-G-R-O-S-S on all social platforms. I mostly post pictures of running with no people in the photos you can follow you are sportswear that's letter u the letter r sportswear on all social platforms and you can check out any of our products at youarsportswear.com thank you so much for listening <laughs>